Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Does the Bible Say About That? I'm Reese. I'm Will. And, uh, yeah, we're glad to be back. We, um, we've been gone from the break for a while. We took a big break from the podcast, and now we're kind of trying to crank these bad boys out. I don't know. I don't know how many we're going to be able to do uh, in the next few weeks. We've kind of got a break, so yep. it's easier to do this. Anyways. We've been excited about this topic today. Yeah. We've been wanting to do it for a while. Um, just hadn't got around to it, so here we are. We're doing it. We're talking about... The afterlife. The afterlife. Mm-hmm. And by afterlife, we need to be specific with our terms. We mean the where where you go when you die. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we're not we're not necessarily talking about like Christ coming back. Right. This is what the next thing is going to look like. Yeah. We've talked about that in past podcasts. Yeah. It's distinct from like the next age or what it looks like in eternity. Right. It's what happens to the body, soul and spirit of a person when they pass away. Right. So, that's a it's a concept that should be discussed more. The fact that yeah. it's just assumed is somewhat frightening. Um, yeah, but that tends to happen. We get set in our ways. It gets passed on in tradition, and then lo and behold, everybody believes the same thing in all religions. And yeah. anyways, yeah. So maybe maybe I can just kind of give a little intro how we're going to go about this. Sure. Okay. So so basically, what we're gonna what we're gonna look at is. Um, what does the beginning of the Bible talk about? What, are the, what did the Jews believe? What does the Old Testament talk about? So where did, where did they go? Because there's, there's a lot more verses in the Old Testament that talk about this than in the New Testament. I think a, kind of a common belief is that like when Jesus comes, <clears throat> he, changes, he changes the destination. But what we're going to get into is, there's, is there evidence for that, basically? Hmm. Is there evidence that where the Jews went is now not where Christians would go today mm-hmm. if we die in this in our lifetime before the Lord returns. Um, and so we're just going to get into that. Yeah. And then we'll talk about why it's important. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think one, one place to start, um, we shouldn't beat around the bush. Like, we're talking about going to heaven when you die or not, um, which is the way it's commonly phrased, like... You hear this at funerals all the time. Oh, she's you know she's in heaven now. It's kind of a form of comfort. Um, it's where you get to see all your loved ones again. Maybe even you believe your dog will go there. You know, it's kind of just like this comforting thing. But we want to tackle it from what does the Bible say? Because we don't care for traditions. Hopefully, we're trying to stray away from any of that in our own lives. Trying to reconsider everything according to the Bible. And so when you look at the beginning of the Bible, um, you kind of get a striking picture, something different than maybe what you maybe grew up hearing in, in religion and, you know, even going to church maybe. And that is you see this picture of God coming down from heaven and being in a garden forming a man, Adam, and walking with that man in a garden. Um, and I think it's worth considering this picture just in a really broad way. Like, it, what is God's, I guess, goal in the garden? Yeah. What's he trying to do? Because the way I see it, if you take the typical 
you know, message that a lot of religions believe about just like it's about dying and going to, you know, heaven and paradise with God forever to, you know, have a perfect life. It's like, okay, so what Adam was supposed to eat the right tree and then God would have said, okay, now you can come with me to my place, come with me to my, the heaven I've made and we don't really need this earth anymore. And that's not at all what the Bible presents. The Bible talks about he's given image and dominion over the earth. Yeah. God wants him to, his image to shine for God to be expressed on the earth and for all things to be brought under God's dominion via this man on the earth, for God's kingdom to be on the earth so that God can have a rule of reigning on the earth. Um, so I think that's worth keeping in the back of our mind, like, yeah, kind of what the Bible starts with. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the concept is like that. That doesn't really fit. I mean, we can't fit that in. It's like why would why would God have created these human beings mm-hmm. for the purpose of them to leave what He just created to go somewhere else? It's like it's not. Yeah, it's not really the the picture that was painted in Genesis, right? And so, in the rest of the Old Testament, um, this kind of typical Christian concept of, you know, it's all about, you know, just getting to heaven when you die. Um, You don't find that anywhere in the Old Testament. What you find in the Old Testament is this hope in, uh, hope in God. And eventually, I mean, it's, it's somewhat found through like the Torah, the first five books and early on, but when you get to the prophets, especially you see this hope in a resurrection unto a kingdom where Israel will be restored and they will, you know, be on the earth reigning with God. Um, But as far as the afterlife and what that looked like, what what the Jewish conception is, um, the first mention of it is in Genesis uh, chapter 37. This is Jacob. um, And it says, uh, so Jacob, he, uh, sorry, Joseph is torn with, uh, is without doubt torn to pieces. So Jacob, Joseph has been taken away. Mm-hmm. Jacob hears this. He's given his garment or his you know colorful coat, and he's so depressed. And all his sons and daughters, this is verse thirty-five of chapter thirty-seven, rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, "Surely I will go down to Sheol to my son mourning." Thus his father wept for him. <coughs> so early on, you see this thought that. What happens when you die is you go down to what is called Sheol in Judaism and in, in the Hebrew. It's Sheol. It's they, Sheol is the resting place of the dead. It's where you wait um, for, really it's for the resurrection. You wait for the resurrection. But even if Jacob didn't know that at the time, it's like, the point is when you die, you go down. And that's where you right. are. Right. Yeah. And there, I mean, we do see also there's a, the thought there that, Jacob is going to see Joseph right, in yeah. Sheol, you mm-hmm. know. So it's not necessarily that wrong to think like, well, I'll see my family members. But sure, you yeah, know, that right. wasn't like, that's still not Jacob's goal, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Sheol is just, it's just a fact. It's like, this is where we go. Right. But my hope is not in this. It's, well, I guess we'll get into some verses later. It's the resurrection. It's right. not that. It's not to see my family members. Even the fact that um, Abraham, he he had himself... And his wife, he first had his wife, put in this like incredible like 
it's a cave, right? Or it's like a, it's a tomb. Yeah. But it, it's really, you know, he has it set up really nice. He wants his whole family to be there. The fact that we bury our dead in like, you know, in a, in a way that's very honoring to them and in a way that looks good and like everything that they'd be together is in light of the hope that they would be resurrected. It's yeah. like, you don't tarnish the body, burn it to ashes, throw it away. It's like, no, we get buried and we bury them faithfully in light of the fact that they will resurrect right. from there. Not necessarily like saying that the resurrection is dependent on how your body is treated, but it's like my the way I'm buried or the way I bury others is a sign of faith that there's a resurrection. That's how like the Jews would conceive yeah, it. Right. That's a huge deal yeah. to them. So yeah, what should we do from here? Should we look at some other Old Testament? Should you, do you want me to pull out Samuel? Oh, yeah. Or Let's did do you have another one before that? No, Samuel's great. I mean, yeah. you can, if you just do a word search of Sheol in the Old Testament, you'll find it everywhere. Sometimes it's talked about as just the resting place of the dead. It's where I'm going to go. Oftentimes it's kind of used um, more metaphorically. It's like death. It, it, it's used to represent death and is oftentimes talked about more in a like sad way. Like, oh, like I don't want to to be taken down to Sheol or, or I've escaped Sheol. Right. It's used metaphorically like I've escaped death because Sheol just means death and it's where the dead are. So, yeah. but yeah, this, this okay. instance in first Samuel is, is mind boggling. I don't know if y'all are all familiar with it, but I think you should kind of, yeah. Go so this comes, this comes out of first Samuel 28 and it's where it's kind of where this transition is going on between, you know, Saul, David is the chosen King, but Saul's the King. Saul doesn't like David right. because David's going to be the king. Anyways, so that's kind of what's going on. And in this point in time, Samuel has been the prophet who is, you know, the man of God. And, right. he, and he dies. He dies in verse 3. Uh, so this is 1 Samuel 28. 3, it shows that Samuel died. And so Saul is so distressed, not necessarily that Samuel died, but just distressed about the kingdom, distressed about who he is. I mean, he's just in this state of, like, anxiety, basically. Right. So then he goes to this woman. Um, the, the, here, here, it's pretty clear right here. He says in verse 8, Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him, and they came to a woman by night. And he said, divine for me a spirit and bring up for me whom I name to you. Mm-hmm. So he's he's asking this woman who they call her like I think her they called her a medium, which is basically someone who can interact with the spiritual realm and also the physical realm. And so Saul is asking her basically to call up Samuel. And so the reason that this is this talks about it, he says, um here here's a verse to it. So in fourteen. Um he said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Yeah. So the story goes on. You can read it. It's a very interesting story. But the fact is, Samuel lived the life he's supposed to live. Yeah. And... Out of that, he's in a resting place. Right. And he, he, it, was, it was like, distur- he was disturbed. That's what he tells Saul. Yeah. You disturbed me from my rest. Right. Not just, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, the point is, he's in, he's down. 
He doesn't say, I came down. He says, I came up. Right. He's down somewhere, and it's a peaceful resting place. Right. So Sheol doesn't necessarily, like Reese was saying, it, it does sometimes imply like it's kind of a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But in this instant, that's, that's one of the reasons we picked this portion is <clears throat> it's, it's not negative here. Right. Samuel, Samuel saying, I was, I was at peace. Why did you disturb me? Why, Why did you, you call me up? Me? And the fact that he got called up anyways is very odd, but yeah, whatever. I mean, but the point is, there's this resting place the Jews went down. Right. And you can find this all over the place. I mean, it's clear. And I think if you ask any theologian or faithful Bible student in general, like, where did the Jews go when they died? What was their thought? They would all say shield. They would all say down in the grave. There's no thought of them being in in heaven up um, with God. I mean, Samuel specifically, he's one of the most holy men in the Bible. You can't find a fault of Samuel's, recorded at least, not saying he was sinless. You know, all men have sinned. But... I mean, David, you know, he screws up royally, and so does Abraham and many others, but you can't really find a fault of Samuel in the Bible, and he still went down. So it's not a matter of merit. It, it, Sheol is a meritless place where all go awaiting the resurrection or awaiting the judgment of God that would come. Now, there is a Jewish thought, though, like he's saying about it being a place of rest for some, um, and it wasn't always thought of as a place of rest for all, it's not. Um, and Sheol is actually talked about in the New Testament. You get kind of a grander picture of what Sheol is um, and, and kind of what are some of the regions, you can say, of Sheol. Because it's not the simplistic, like, dichotomistic place like most Christians believe, where it's like, it's up heaven or hell. Those are, those are the two options. Right. The Bible is not so simple, and it can't be boxed in like that. And so that's in Luke 16, it talks about it. And before we get into that, we should say one thing. The, the, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, right? And so when they talked about the place of the dead, they used the word Sheol. In the New Testament, the Greek equivalent for the Jewish word Sheol is Hades. Um, if you are at all familiar with Greek mythology, you know Hades is the resting place of the dead. I mean, that's just what the Greeks would use. And so if you're going to say Sheol in Greek, you say Hades. Um, a lot of people think of Hades as like this evil, mm-hmm. horrid place. And, you know, like just like Sheol, it can be used in that way where it's like, oh, escape Sheol, escape Hades, escape the torment. But um, it, it really, in its most generic form, just means the place of the dead. Um, and so in Luke 16, it talks about Hades. Um, and it talks about not just being the simplistic place, but it has different regions. So this is the story, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it, of, of Lazarus um, and the rich man. And I don't know about you, I guess when I grew up and I heard this story for the first time, I just kind of superseded my own religious concepts into this story, and I kind of took it as, well, Lazarus is talking like down. Yeah at the rich man, like through the sky, through the earth, to hell down in the, in the pits. And like that's how they're able to communicate. Um, you kind of just bring in all your baggage and your concepts. But if you read this section of these section of verses faithfully, like without any concepts, that's not the picture that's given. No. And so it talks about, you know, you know the story. I'm sure you all know it. It's Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man doesn't treat Lazarus nicely. He's... His wounds are licked by the dogs and everything. So they both die. Um, 
the rich man dies and he's uh, taken down. It says, uh, where is it? 22? Yeah, 22. The beggar died and he was carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. So they both die. And they're both, they're both buried. Because it says he was also buried, right? Um, and it says specifically the beggar went to Abraham's bosom. Which some people like impose their concept and they assume that's heaven. But if you ask a Jew what Abraham's bosom is at that time, I mean, Jesus doesn't just make up these phrases. It's like a common Jewish term. Right. It refers to Sheol, yeah. specifically the pleasant side of Sheol. And then the rich man goes to Hades as well. They both go to Hades. It says, and in Hades, the rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham from afar and Lazarus in his bosom. So he's looking up. As in, he was looking down at his feet, looking down in torment, and he lifts up his eyes, and he sees across this chasm, um, which Abraham says there's a chasm uh, in verse 26. There's a chasm fixed in between them. So think of the Grand Canyon. He looks up, he sees Abraham across the chasm, and he asks for mercy, right? Bring some water, cool my tongue. And... Some people think of, you know, when he looks up, he looks like all the way up as into heaven. But it could just as easily mean look across the chasm. And there's examples in the Bible where looking up is just looking from down to then laterally yeah. across, right? And you know that it's across specifically because the rich man asks Abraham to send someone up to his family to warn them of this place of torment, that side right. that's he, that he's on. And so in verse 31... Abraham says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. So Abraham says, if I or someone else were to raise from the dead, meaning we're below and we would go up, they still wouldn't hear us. And so the the point is, and the illustration that's being provided here of what Hades or Sheol is like, is that there's one side that's pleasant, referred to as Abraham's bosom, and then there's another side that's not so pleasant. It's actually called a place of torment. And that's where the non-believers or the non-faithful Jews would go. And it's a sort of a temporary place of punishment before the judgment of God actually happens. And then in between them, there's a great chasm so that nobody can go across to either side. So this is kind of the, to give a more illustrative Yeah, I mean, this look. is Jesus talking. Is Jesus yeah. talking, right. So yeah, uh, where should we go from here? I mean, this is kind of a picture of Sheol, yeah. right? Well, I, yeah, I guess the next place is like, okay, so obviously, I, th- I think it's clear. This is what the Jews believed. Right. Um, what, this is what Jesus talks about. Yeah. So is there a clear, it's almost like the innocent until proven guilty. It's like, it's, we go down. Is there a clear picture where Jesus changes changes the, the dynamic? Yeah, it's like, Okay, now we don't. And, right. And like the, the importance of it, the importance of it is it's like if we have it in our own construct of our theological thought that's like, okay, Jesus, the cross means new destination. Right. Yeah. We're missing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that's like yeah. we, we, need to, we need to, you know, Gosh. make it clear. Yeah. And so then we can a, a, approach the question, okay, then what does the cross mean really? Right. Yeah, this is a really broad topic now because it's like, what was the purpose? <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
So yeah, the the point is the Old Testament gives us ground to say that when you die, you go to Sheol or Hades when you translate it into Greek. Is there a point where Jesus says, okay, now that you know I've died and resurrected, you Christian don't go there? Right. Um, short answer is there's no verse that says you go to heaven when you die. Mm-hmm. There's not a single verse in the New Testament that says you go to heaven when you die. There's other verses that can be interpreted as saying something like that. There's a few, and we'll talk about them. But the majority, all the other verses imply that our hope is in a resurrection from the dead. And after I say that, you probably think, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I've I've read all sorts of verses about being resurrected. I mean, read 1 Corinthians 15, read 1 Thessalonians 4. It's all over the New Testament. And even... In Colossians 1.27, Paul specifically says, what is the hope of the Christian? The hope of the Christian is Christ in you, the hope of glory, that we would be eventually resurrected and glorified. So we live a life faithfully to the Lord, are sanctified, are set apart, are faithful in our stewarding the gifts of God that are given to us. And our hope is that we would be resurrected into glory at Christ's return. So anyways, I think we should get into the the more like explicit verses first mm-hmm. though that show like we definitely go to Sheol because that's our, our stand in yeah. case anyone was wondering. So so maybe maybe I can just talk about like the paradise verse. Yeah, you want to do maybe, that? Maybe you could hit the rest of the ones. The Matthew yeah. or yeah. So Okay. So I'm, I'm going to read the account in Luke. This is probably the first one that comes to people's mind. Yeah. I don't know what you're thinking, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, there, you know, Jesus is on the cross. He's in the middle. There's two people on the side of him. And um, anyways, basically one of the robbers repents to Jesus. Right. And he says this. He says, um, well, I'll just read the whole account. It's it's Luke 23:39. One of the criminals who were hanged uh, railed... Let's see. Okay, yeah. This is what he said. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Right. Okay. There's a lot that's happening right there. Mm-hmm. But the main, the main thing is, is he, when he says paradise, one, he doesn't say heaven. Right. But also, it, it, you could use it as like an argument against what we were saying. He also doesn't say Abraham's bosom. But you just think about, think about in a sense, what Abraham's bosom is. It's the pleasant side of Sheol. In a way, the greatest person there is Father Abraham. I mean, it's like he is, mm-hmm. he's, he's the father of the Jews, mm-hmm. basically. Right? That's why it's called his bosom. Yeah. Now he's no longer the greatest person there. Hmm. Jesus died. Right. And then Peter gives, Peter makes it clear that Jesus goes into the heart of the earth when he died. Matthew. Oh, Matthew. Yeah. Jesus, what is so, it? What so Peter in Matthew says, uh, 1240, it says, For just as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. That's right. Three days and three nights. Yes. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the fact that Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Right. Meaning, 
he's in the heart of the earth right. on that day. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't say in uh, in forty three days, yeah. which the Lord resurrects, and then he's on the earth for another forty days, and then he ascends. Yeah. He says, "Today you will be with me in paradise." And the Lord goes to the heart of the earth, i.e., Sheol, i.e., Hades, right. for three days and three nights, just yeah. as Jonah went in the belly of the whale. And so even this person who some would say is like the first, well, I guess that some would say the disciples of the first Christians, maybe this person, I don't know how that all works. They don't receive the spirit till after his resurrection. So I would say this guy might be the first Christian, but that's for another topic. Yeah. Anyways, the Lord's promise to him is you'll be with me today in paradise. And I think the important part is you'll be with me. Right. Right. Like, that is that is the the glorious like yeah. fact of being a believer is you get to be with Christ. Christ is with you. The end of Matthew twenty eight he says, right, all authority has been given to me. Go, behold, I am with you always. Yeah. Right. And so you get Christ when you're saved. You don't get a new destination. Um so this is this is there's no reason just from this verse that shows you go to heaven right. or to think you go to heaven. In fact, it's just the opposite. It proves you go to Sheol. Um, now, the really like scholarly people who have looked at this question, like I'm thinking of John Nelson Darby, and Darby was the one who really influenced Schofield um, and kind of the more like dispensationalist theologians, right. or even the, you know, I'm sure most Calvinists, Theologians have like looked into this, and they would say the same things by now. Um, they they would say that uh, yes, everyone before Christ's resurrection went to Sheol. They would agree with that, but they would say when he resurrected, he actually emptied out Sheol and he took them all with right. him to heaven. And they mainly say this because of there's some verses in Revelation that um, you know if depending on your eschatological views you might interpret them that way but um there's there's no reason that that should be the case and there's a clear version in acts that shows that even if that did happen um some, someone really important i guess was left behind um, so in acts 2 when peter is kind of giving his first sermon he quotes this psalm that david uh says he talks about you know like david said you will not abandon my soul to Hades or Sheol. That's how you know Hades is Sheol, by the way. He literally quotes a verse from the Old Testament that says Sheol, and he says Hades. You will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor will you permit your Holy One to see corruption. Um, and then Peter says, Men, brothers, I can say to you plainly concerning the patriarch David that he both deceased and was buried, and his tomb is among us until this day. And then he talks about the prophet, um, Christ is the one who this prophecy is speaking about. Right. Christ is the one who is not abandoned to Hades. David's still there, is this point. And so even if the Lord did empty out Sheol, he left David, the man after God's own heart, you know, the one who cared about his house uh, there, if that's the case. Meaning it's not the case. Right. Um, so yeah, that's it, it's, it's silly, sort of a silly way to kind of tweak in our old conceptions of going to heaven into the Bible, which if you read the Bible, you're not going to find anything that talks about our hope being about where we go for the afterlife. That's not the issue. The issue is what, ha what happens when the Lord comes back? Mm -hmm. Do we resurrect to a kingdom or do we resurrect to judgment? But where, the question 
I would always have is like, where, where did this thought come from? Because everyone believes it, right? It's yeah, like, I mean, I don't. There's a lot of people that believe it, right? Even a lot of other religions that talk about this yeah. earth being corrupt and like needing to go to the sky, basically, mm-hmm. to escape it. Yeah. So. I got a thought on that. Okay. Yeah. So one of the one of the one of the thoughts is, actually, I, I'm reading a book recently from a, a guy named N.T. Wright, yeah, who has studied this a lot. He knows a lot about first century uh, Jews and what they believed. First century Christians also, and uh, or, and actually just first century literature of the time of the Jews and the Greeks together, right, and all that. And so. Anyways, this isn't a book review, but if you want to research this further, you can reference him and other people too. But um, basically, a lot of the thought, if, you, if, you're, if you're looking at the first century writings and the first century beliefs, if you want to look at a hope of like leaving the present material world and going to a future peaceful, yeah. perfect place... yeah. You won't ever find that in like Paul's writings or the apostles' writings. You'll find that more so in Plato's writings, right? Right? In his thought, in his whatever, you know. I mean, it was Plato who kind of made that this bombshell of like a of a, of a I don't even want to I don't. It's not a theology. It's just like a philosophy. Right. Philosophy of this world is corrupted. We need to leave it. Right. And there's something greater in another world yeah yeah and then this comes in further in like the reformation Hmm. when you have it basically in the 16th century this starts kind of getting brought into i don't know i mean it it was before that but as far as protestants go Hmm. it it remained with them right it remained with them yeah because like the i mean plato's conception of the world is that there's this like ideal that is immaterial like there's an there's an ultimate good there's an ultimate thing for everything and the what we should do is seek to escape the material shadows of things and enter into that reality and so the material world everything that's physical is corrupt it's the source of corruption and to get into this gnosis of the ideal is the goal but the bible talks about there's a huge hope for the material world the lord's going to create new yeah. heavens and a new earth He's going to renew the creation. And the Platonic ideas crept in later to the... When, when a lot of Greeks got converted. Like Paul talks about like the, the wisdom, the Greeks seek wisdom, the Jews uh, seek signs. But we preach Christ crucified. But uh, the Gentiles began to take over after the first century, you can say, in that they became the dominant population of the church. And then these platonic ideals and these philosophies started to creep into Christian theology. Even, I know, like, reading Augustine, Augustine talks about Plato was basically, he had divine revelation. He was, he had everything you could have without the Bible short of Christ crucified. Like, he he really saw the divine revelation. You could say he's like a, he prophesied about different things before they came. So they really highly exalted the Greek philosophers. Um, and a lot of these things about the material world being corrupt crept in and that's kind of the source of it and Wright talks about that like the early christians who were primarily jewish would say our hope is that the lord's returning to establish his yeah, kingdom right and we we seek to live a, a faithful life today following him mm-hmm. no hope for like no thought of oh well, don't worry when we die we'll go to heaven right which is the dominant thought today mm-hmm. um 
Should we get into other verses about uh, some like, I, there's like one or two other verses that um, can seem to be like, I guess, troubling toward this view, um, but they are definitely like minor verses inside of like the greater breadth of scripture that talks about the resurrection being the hope. Yeah, it might, it might be worth listening to it. We're still okay on our time. Yeah. So like, I can just think of two. Maybe we can just address them really quickly. If someone wants more about it, you can comment or um, shoot us a text if you know us. We can talk about it more. But there's one verse in Philippians 1, I think it's verse 21, that talks about, this is Paul kind of saying, you know, uh, you know, it's better for me to depart and be with Christ. Um, and people take that as, well, that must mean depart and go to heaven because Christ, right, ascended to the third heavens. He has sat at the right hand of God's um, throne. And so to depart and be with Christ is to be there. Um, so that that's probably the most, I guess you could say, difficult verse to all this, which it's the closest verse of saying you go to heaven if you interpret it that way. But there is no verse that actually says you go to heaven. So if you're going to rest your whole theology on that one verse, then, you know, that's, you're going to struggle, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that simply is not what that verse is talking about. Um, when the Lord died, right, he said, behold, I'm with you always. I am with you. And to say that Paul did not, was not already with the Lord, in a sense, um, is just ridiculous. I mean, if anyone was with the Lord, it was Paul himself. And he talks about that in many places. Christ is in you if you're with Christ. Um, so the question is, what does he mean when he says, uh, depart and be with Christ? And... For Paul, if you were to ask him, what what is the greatest hindrance in your experience to being with Christ? In your experience, right? He's always with us. He's with everyone, always. But what's the greatest hindrance? He would say the flesh, right? In Galatians 6, the whole battle is the spirit versus the flesh. And so for Paul to depart from the flesh is to be with Christ in the fullest sense of the word. Yeah, he says that, right? To be absent from the body is right. to be present, present with, with the Lord. The Lord. Yeah. That absent with the body is present with the Lord. Yeah. Not because you go to a place. I mean, even the thought of how that works, like how your spirit goes somewhere, like I'm still very confused as to how that works. But like location's never Paul's goal. It's being with Christ in a full sense in his experience. Right. And so even like the psalmist, is it Psalm 138? I think so. Uh, he says, you know, where can I go to flee from your presence? If I make my bed down in Sheol, you are there, right? And if I go up to heaven, it's the same. It's like, biblically, the Lord is omnipresent, and there's no like place you go to be with him. Right. Especially now as the spirit who can in- inhabit the believers, he's with us. But there's a hindrance to our experience of that being our flesh. And so for Paul, it's about the flesh. And you can get a lot more into that, like Matthew 11, talking about John the Baptist, who's greatest in the kingdom of the heavens. It's whoever's closest in proximity. And so there's there's all these different things you can get into. But I think that's sufficient enough to show, like, for sure, he's not talking about, I just really want to go to heaven and depart from y'all, but I'm going to stay mm-hmm. here on the earth. Right. It's like he wants to be with Christ. He's coming to know this Christ, and he wants to know him to a full extent. And so then he talks about that more in chapter 3 in Philippians, but... We can talk about it more if you want to later, but I think that's enough. For sure, I think so. And then 2 Corinthians 5 is the other one. It talks about um, there's a this earthly tabernacle. I'd like to depart and be at the heavenly tabernacle. Some people think that's like your heavenly mansion um, from John 14. But 
if you like just please just read those verses with this new thought in mind and you'll realize the heavenly tabernacle is our glorified body that he wants to be clothed with and he hopes that he would actually be swallowed up by it before he even departs Mm -hmm. so it has nothing to do with heaven it has to do with the nature of the tabernacle the body that he's going to have um kingdom of the heavens in matthew is not a place it is a realm uh, the heavenly realm he wants his kingdom to come as in heaven so also on the earth this kingdom is heavenly it's experienced today according to romans 14 17 right the kingdom isn't eat, not in eating and drinking righteousness joy peace and the holy spirit sorry this is a topic i've talked about with a lot of people and i just have like so many other yeah, things i right. want to say i mean most of the time heaven's plural anyways right the heavens yeah and, and there's no verse that explicitly changes what's been established in the old and we shouldn't be enamored with where we go when we die right and the Bible seems to imply that that's down into yeah. Sheol. Mm-hmm. But we should be enamored with the Christ who's indwelling us, who's our real hope. Mm-hmm. He's the one we should adorn. He's the one we should preach. We don't tell people, believe in Jesus so you can go to heaven. We show people the wonderful Jesus, and that's enough. Right. Like Here is your goal. Here's your inheritance. It is the person of Christ, not the place he's going to take you to. Right. So you can have your mansion and your golf course and football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just in closing, I guess it's like it, it's not it's not that we don't believe in heaven for sure. Christ is seated on the, you right. know, that, that's clear. And then also, is there a place of punishment? There's a lake of fire at the end right. of the Bible. It's not that we don't believe in like the heaven and hell framework as far as that goes. It's like for sure there is a place of punishment. But the main point is, Christ is the goal, right? And hopefully, in the coming episodes soon, we'll. It's not a two-part series, but basically we just needed to establish this before we get into things of the gospel and things of the kingdom and right. in that sense. what what Basically, if you want to look at it in a certain way, you could say, <clears throat> what was the gospel the apostles were preaching? Right. And are we preaching that today? Something like that. Yeah, right. Exactly. And also, just for those of you who didn't know, you spend eternity on the earth, according to Revelation 22. Right. So... I think a lot of Christians know that, but some don't. So this is just our attempt to make sure everybody does. Hope this wasn't too controversial. I felt like it went better than... Sometimes when I talk about this, especially when there's someone on the other end, you know, it can be troubling to some. I can see why you might be troubled if you grew up with this your whole life, hearing that we go to heaven. Um, But hopefully that wasn't too much. Yeah. It's worth knowing, so... Yeah, I'm excited for where we can go from here. Yeah, um, do you know where we're going from here? What are I, we doing? I mean, you always put it on me. I well, you know. you've gotten the best idea. Why don't you I'm say? Just... I, I I was I was honestly thinking about the gospel, but I don't. We can go somewhere else. The gospel, like mm-hmm. now that we have this kind of framework established, on mm-hmm. like the afterlife, it's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then what was the goal for Paul? What was the goal for the apostles? Mm. What was the goal Jesus was establishing? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, we can discuss that. I think that'd be good. Um, yeah, and again, you know, if anyone wants to donate, I think we got a new website, right? Right. Yeah, what is it? Uh, it's called we don't accept cash.org. So, um, credit card only? Uh, just kidding. Um, thank y'all for listening, and we'll see you next time. All right.